Come on. Hi, everyone. Hello. Welcome to another episode of I'm Horrified. I'm Horrified. I'm Sam. I'm Allie. And we're horrified, famously. Famously. (laughs) At this point, uh, if you're new to us, that's our whole deal. If you're not new to us, it's still our whole deal. Yep. Um, I have been feeling very proud as we've begun reposting episodes, which has been so much fun, and we really missed you guys. It has been fun. We kind of stopped at our 100th episode. Like, it just so happened that that's what happened last time. And it's been really fun to number the episodes as we upload them, like 105, 105. Like, if we've been doing this a lot. We've and been it, doing this for a long time. And I also want to shout out, um, a lot of you are tuning in. I didn't realize how many, I, I figured we'd have, like, our moms. Yes. You know, um, some of our friends from work who we used to talk to about this, mm-hmm. who still, and then like a couple of stragglers who still had us in their um, like iTunes, like they yeah. still technically were subscribed. But we've got a lot of people tuning in and we're so, we're so glad. We're so glad you're here and we're so glad to be hanging out with you again and we're having so much fun. And I've also been hearing, we've also been hearing from a couple of you on the comments, and we are so grateful for that. And also at our email address, um, I'm horrifiedpodcast at gmail.com. I believe so. That's what I think it is. I put it in the description now of every episode. Okay, I, put the, I put the Twitter and I know what it is. I keep forgetting. And we've also been hearing from you guys at our email, uh, I'm horrified podcast at gmail.com. Been hearing for from you guys about new topics, topics we should do. Please, please write in with your topic suggestions. Uh, we need them. Yes. And and you can help us out by making sure they're not ones we've already done before. Because <laughs> I have been like, you know what we should do? And then I scroll and I'm like, we did it. Yeah. We did do it. We did it in 2017. Although I'd also like to say, I'd like to free us both up, Allie, to revisit topics that we've done before. Not like a redo, but like Elon Musk's done a lot of stuff since the last time I talked about him. Oh, and how. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of these episodes could get a part two and there'd still be plenty to enjoy. I definitely think so. I definitely think so. I feel like you have kind of an Elon Musky topic today. I do. And it's also kind of a part two topic because I feel like it's partially inspired by the volunteerism discussion that we had last week that you led. Ooh, topical. Uh, yeah, I think this kind of, I think they go, they're not the same, but I think they go together quite well. So here we go. If for those of you that don't know, I am a fundraising girly by trade. And Allie, you've served your time as a fundraising girly in the past. I was such a bad fundraising girly. <laughs> we were both fundraising girlies because we're both in like the nonprofit sector and you were constantly killing it. And I was constantly like, I fucking hate this. Um, but you can you, plan an event, which I hated. I would plan events and I would do, um, I love writing appeals, mm-hmm. but you were born for it. You have a certain sparkle that all the, I, I, I don't want to say like fundy girls, but that's like fundamental Christianity. I think <laughs> oh, like that's what they call it on Reddit. Like fundy snarky is like fundamental yes. evangelicals, <laughs> like girl defined. Um, <laughs> Who have we talked about Girl Defined yet? I am not sure. I don't have. think we have. Listeners, um, tell us if we've talked about that. But yeah, that you have an absolute uh, flair for for resource development, and I don't. <laughs> so I'm so glad that you are still doing it, and I am still not. I'm glad about that too. Yeah, I think. Um, but we both, I feel like, have been familiar with that world. Hell yes. And I'd like to go on the record. Uh, overall, I believe raising money towards a charitable cause is generally good. I don't. And. <laughs> 
All right, and can... during my time working in fundraising, I've decided whoever has money should just keep it. There you go. And if you don't have it, then there is a fundamental flaw in you that is the reason for it. All right. I love that we're starting with a really hot take today. It's a pretty hot take. But let's see, let's see where it takes us. So what I will say, and Ali, I think this is actually kind of getting to your point, is that when you spend a few years in the fundraising business, you can't help but get a little jaded about like big P philanthropy mm-hmm. as an industry. It's really easy to say that turning any concept over to capitalism wrecks it. But today I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into this and specifically into one philosophy of capital P philanthropy that just makes me feel a little bit icky. Great. So today we're going to talk about effective altruism. Just saying those two words together sounds great, right? Effective is good. Altruism is good. Why wouldn't they be good together? Why do you hate fun? (laughs) That's a great question. Why do you hate it when people get a leg up in the world, Sam? And if you guys haven't noticed, this episode is eight hours long. So let's begin. Okay, let's Um, get started. (laughs) No. Uh, Yes, exactly as you're saying. Who doesn't want their altruism to be effective? To be effective, yeah. But uh, this point of view on giving isn't as simple as the name makes it seem. So according to Wikipedia, effective altruism is a philosophical and social movement that advocates using evidence and reason to figure out how to benefit others as much as possible and taking action on that basis. Now, as a woman on the internet, seeing the words evidence and reason makes me shiver. I did. I did just sort of, like, my butthole clenched a yeah, little. just a you little. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, no. Ooh. But let's continue to give this the benefit of the doubt. So, effective altruists want to ensure they are maximizing the impact of their charitable giving. Again, great. We all want the money we donate to be used effectively. Maximizing gives me some incel vibes. There I have you go. To say. Like, <laughs> like charity maxing or something. Yes. But effective altruists take it a step further than most people in that the effectiveness goes above basically anything else when it comes to their decision making. So for example, an average person might want to donate to a local shelter where they adopted their cat, right? It feels personal to them. It feels like something they can really see the impact of. An effective altruist might instead research which shelters have the most animals that need to be cared for and donate there, even if it's miles and miles away from where they live and where they adopted their cat. So there's nothing wrong with that, of course. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fine. But it does take some level of emotion and personal connection out of charitable giving. And as a fundraising girly, it's sort of fascinating to me because Pulling on heartstrings and making connections are like the most powerful tools as far as best practice of getting donations goes. You got to Sarah McLaughlin it. You need to. All day. All day long. So the, the focus on being effective also translates to the type of charities effective altruists want to give to. Generally, some of the most popular charities with effective altruists are global health and development and long-term future and global catastrophic risk charities. And when you think about their mindset, it makes total sense. So effective altruists value impartiality. Again, no preference for their hometown shelter. They want to give to the one that's being the most effective. They value cause prioritization, meaning that resources should be distributed to causes based on what will do the most good. 
Here's another example. Between a theater and a hospital, the hospital should always win to an effective altruist. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) I do think that's fair. Yeah, again, like, I'm not saying any of this is wrong. They also value cost effectiveness. They want to stretch their dollar as far as they can go. And based on this, it makes total sense that they want to fund global health and disaster prevention. Of course, those organizations are using their funds to save lives, well, an animal shelter or a theater is doing not that. I, and I guess there is also, like, I love my dog. I, I would kill for my dog. Mm-hmm. But I don't put, like, animals' lives above people's lives. Some people yeah. do, but I don't put animals' lives above people's lives. Mm-hmm. Like, if you had, like, a baby and a dog before me, first of all, I'd cry and be like, just kill me! <laughs> um, but, I, but it's like, no, I do think that human lives are more important and so I would prize that, but I guess, like, I've donated to Animal Shell. Is that bad? Is that wrong? I'm already getting anxious. Like, yes. you're already making me anxious because I feel like I'm going to have to feel things about myself, um, and I don't love that. Well, I'm excited then to, let's keep diving in. To really drive this point home, I'm going to use an example from the wonderful Abigail Thorne, who did a Philosophy Tube episode on this same subject. We love her. Oh, if you're not listening to Philosophy Tube, you simply must. So here it is straight from Abigail. Let's say you have a choice between two charities. You can either donate to one that trains guide dogs for the blind in your neighborhood, or one that gives people in developing nations medicine when they have trachoma, an infection that causes blindness. Training a guide dog takes about $40,000, and curing someone's trachoma takes about fifty. So for the cost of one guide dog here, you can save 800 people from blindness there. You might love dogs, but you can do more good. Your altruism can be more effective if you use your head instead of your heart. Now again, in my opinion, there is no wrong choice in Abigail's example. There's just one that effective altruists prefer. But let's look at another example, and we'll apply the same point of view. So there's a philosopher named Peter Singer who wrote an essay called Famine, Affluence, and Morality. And one of the core arguments in this essay is that if one can use one's wealth to reduce suffering, for example, aiding famine relief efforts, without any significant reduction in your well-being, it's immoral not to do so. That's like a big position of this paper. That's fair. (laughs) Singer introduces the drowning child analogy. Oh, come on. (laughs) Come on. Cannot be chill. So according to Singer, inaction is immoral if a child is drowning in a shallow pond and someone can save it but chooses not to. Nor does placing greater geographical distance between the person in need and the helper reduce the latter's moral obligation. As he says... It makes no moral difference whether the person I can help is a neighbor's child 10 yards away from me or a Bengali whose name I shall never know 10,000 miles away. The moral point of view requires us to look beyond the interests of our own society. So Singer's work, to me, clearly has something in common with effective altruism, and it's really influential on one of that movement's primary thinkers, William McCaskill. But his argument has also been used by opponents of these ideas. So there's a philosopher named Kwame Anthony Apaya. In 2006, he asked whether the most effective action of a man in an expensive suit confronted with a drowning child would not be to save the child and ruin his suit, but rather sell the suit and donate the proceeds to charity. Right then? <laughs> like, yeah. you donate the suit as the child's drowning? Yeah. Instead of ruining the suit by saving the child, 
sell the suit and save more children. So Apaya believes that he should save the drowning child and ruin his suit. <laughs> That's crazy. I know. It's a crazy situation. <laughs> but in a 2015 debate presented with a similar scenario of either saving a child from a burning building or saving a Picasso painting to sell and donate the proceeds to charity, McCaskill responded the effective altruist should save and sell the Picasso. No! <laughs> no! And here we have the great illustration wrong. of this problem. Wrong! That's wrong. That's everyone knows that's wrong. I think so too. When we're prioritizing effectiveness, we are not always prioritizing humanity. We all want our charitable donations to do good, but to judge good based solely on data and metrics, it sometimes misses the point. I'm just imagining the child watching you carry the the Picasso <laughs> out of the building. That's all I'm seeing right now. Yeah. And yeah, and yes. And that proves that point of like, that's, that's inhuman. Yeah. But it's like, but that, oh, I hate it when, I hate it when thinkers are like, well, what if this, but taken all the way to its natural conclusion. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not what I meant. <laughs> um, and oh God, this is, I hate this. I hate this. I, I'm not having fun at all. Let's go back to the way effective altruists prioritize the long-term future of the, our world. There's a word for this belief, long-termism, which developed closely with effective altruism. Long-termists have proposed that the welfare of future individuals is just as important as the welfare of currently existing individuals, and that prioritizing the former is coexistive with the wellness of the latter. So what that means is, just reading that, I'm like, that's really that, tacky. Yeah, I, oh. It just means that we should be prioritizing future people just as much as people who are currently living in this world. And in fact, like, in some ways, it does us more good to prioritize people that do not currently exist, rather than... Even more so than the people who are alive. Who are alive right now. So this is another thing that is, I'm not saying is wrong, but just makes me feel icky. <laughs> I believe we should be working towards a better world. For example, we should be do doing everything we can to mitigate climate change, since we've already fucked future generations so badly on that front. But focusing so narrowly on the future of humanity feels like, again, we're taking the humanity out of it. If you're focused on preventing the extinction of mankind, you're probably not giving to your local animal shelter, even if they did help you adopt your cat. And you might not even get that cat. <laughs> yeah. But to effective altruists, ensuring the continuation of humanity is, of course, the most effective thing you can possibly do. <laughs> is it? <laughs> are we sure about that? <laughs> and now here comes another fascinating thing. They are just as strategic and data-driven about the way they do it. Many effective altruists subscribe to the idea of earning to give. Basically, instead of going to work for a charitable cause, they strategically go into whatever field will make them the most money and therefore give them the greatest ability to donate huge amounts. They're career cucking you, Sam. <laughs> they really are. How dare they? This is part of the reason why so many effective altruists are tech or Wall Street people. 
Well, that and their demographics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm sure that's the only reason why. Um, Natasha Tiku of the Washington Post called the effective altruism movement a community of roughly 7,000 adherents, largely young white men, connected to elite schools in the United States and Britain. And there have been multiple philosophers who criticized effective altruism for furthering the disproportionate influence of wealthy individuals in domains that should be the responsibility of governments and non-governmental organizations. Mm. And this does, I think, have a lot in common with, like, when we talked about Elon Musk or even Bill Gates, who, like, I probably align with politically more than Elon Musk. But still, charitable work by billionaires is great, of course. It is truly the least they can do. <laughs> truly the least they can do. And their money is theirs to do with whatever they wish. But should we, as a society, be counting on them to save us? Right? Like, should we be saying, well, Elon Musk is going to get us to Mars. Well, Bill Gates is going to do X, Y, Z. Like, shouldn't governments and pop- populations be doing those things? Shouldn't they be taxing the fuck out of billionaires? Shouldn't they be taxing billionaires out of existence? Like, the sentence, billionaires giving to charitable causes, like, is already fucked. Because the idea of a billionaire indicates, like, a financial system so, like, completely shit-whacked, out of, like, out of shape. Like, it is naturally going to be exploitative. Like, there's no way it's not going to be exploitative. Even if they... Like, there's no way for a billionaire to give charitably enough because then they'd be a millionaire. Yes. Right? <laughs> like, you can only be an ethical charitable millionaire, exactly. not an ethical charitable billionaire. So, I mean, I don't have the answer to this. I just know it makes me uncomfortable. Now let's talk about the prototypical effective altruist. He graduated from MIT with a degree in physics and initially considered a career in academia. But instead, according to comments he made to the Wall Street Journal, he became turned on to the effective altruism movement, and he decided to go into finance, hoping to make a fortune so he could give it away to charity. He then founded both a trading firm and a cryptocurrency exchange. His name is Sam Bankman-Fried, and he sort of single-handedly is responsible for the downfall of crypto. Well, maybe he should have stuck to throwing things off of roofs and trying to figure out how fast they're going. That's Amen. what physics is, right? Yeah, basically. Is that physics? I think so. Okay. Especially at MIT. So I'm curious, for listeners who have ever heard of effective altruism, this is probably how you heard about it, was this Sam, Sam Bankman-Fried thing. Yeah. For those of you less familiar with it, Sam Bankman-Fried was a young billionaire, super successful through his cryptocurrency exchange called FTX. He is a big-time effective altruist. He worked at the Center for Effective Altruism for a short time. He donated half his salary from his first big Wall Street job to effective altruism-approved causes. And he signed the Giving Pledge, which a bunch of billionaires have signed, uh, promising to give half of their net worth to philanthropy, either during their lifetime or upon their death. Probably during their lifetime. (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? Uh, He also funded the FTX Future Fund, which brought on noted effective altruist philosopher William McCaskill as one of its advisors and paid a $13.9 million grant to the Center for Effective Altruism, where McCaskill holds a board role. Then it all went wrong. FTX crashed in November of 2022 for a couple of reasons. It started when it was revealed that FTX's sister company, Alameda Research, 
held a significant amount of the Bitcoin created by FTX, which was called FTT. This raised concern about the financial stability of both companies. Basically, it would be like if you said, I'm a millionaire, I have a million Sam bucks. And I said, <laughs> I'm Sam and she's right. She's a millionaire. Sam bucks mean nothing if you can't purchase anything with Sam bucks. They mean a lot to me because <laughs> you made them. The minute that I'm able to mint Sam bucks, I will give you one million. I will be a millionaire because I'm going to be your <laughs> biggest investor. Thank you so much. But it's not helpful to you. No, it's not. Yeah. If we're the only ones using Sam bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so in response... The CEO of Binance, which is another really important financial trading group, announced that he was going to sell all of his FTT tokens. And this caused the price of FTT to plummet, which triggered a wave of withdrawals. FTX was unable to meet the withdrawal requests, which led to a classic liquidity crisis. I'm really using my business minor today. I know, yeah. <laughs> you sound really smart. Thank you so much. On top of all this... They were also just really bad at risk management and corporate governance practices at FTX. The company reportedly allowed employees to trade on insider information and to use customer funds for personal investments. And here's the thing. If you're an effective altruist, why shouldn't you do fraud to bolster your company's wealth? Because the amount of good you'll do with your millions outweighs how you might be fucking people over in the now. This is like every Batman villain. Like they start out like, I'm just trying to bring peace to Gotham. And the way I'm going to bring peace to Gotham is by killing a lot of people. Yeah, is to put on a, a clown face paint and just exactly. really go to town. But yeah, I mean, once I started researching effective altruism, I was like, yeah, of course you would do shady things with your business if you genuinely in your heart believe the good that you'll do with your billions of dollars outweighs the current people getting fucked over by you. You either live, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a crypto fuckboy. Mm, words to live by. Words to live by. I think so. I'd like to commission a cross point. Uh, I will, <laughs> I, yeah, I will make a, a cross stitch for you. I'll that make would a be great. hoop for you of that. Thank you so much. Since FTX's collapse, Crypto generally has taken a really huge hit. FTX was one of the largest and most popular cryptocurrencies exchanges in the world at the time, and its bankruptcy shook the confidence of investors and raised a lot of concerns about safety and security of cryptocurrency generally. So the value of like Bitcoin and a bunch of other cryptocurrencies fell, and the decline of the popularity of cryptocurrency was even reflected in Google search trends. Searches for the term cryptocurrency declined by 50% in the month following FTX's bankruptcy filing. Really? Yeah. People were like, I'm staying the fuck away from crypto. I would be like, oh, but here's the thing. Like, maybe you can explain, maybe, you know what, even better, maybe your husband could explain to me how crypto works. There's nobody in, like, my immediate, like group who knows and like mm -hmm. we're all like fucking liberal arts people yeah. so every time somebody's like oh you hear what's going on with crypto and i'm like sort of like picking up a martini <laughs> to shake like oh yeah it's crazy like, i have no fucking idea i know what's going on with any of it but i am just kind of thinking about it in terms of like i guess it's just sort of like it's sort of like investment in a lot of way like you know like when you're investing in a company like uh, WeWork or, you know, um, Theranos, like when Theranos was like, we're valued at yeah. 
five billion dollars and it's like well that five billion dollars of value isn't necessarily there they've just managed to convince people that the value is there so I guess I see it sort of similarly. I don't know if that's the right kind yeah, of Yeah, I don't think that's far off. And I mean, it's, it is like, I've found it really hard to just wrap my ra- mind around crypto in general. I would say if anyone's interested, the, another YouTuber that I watch a lot is um, Dan Olson. He's called Folding Ideas. And he's done a lot of like very long deep dives into like, crypto and like meme stocks and like all of that kind of stuff that have been but but I will say I've watched it about three times I'm still not totally sure what's going on but highly recommend if you I've had so many conversations with people who are like they'll explain it in a way and they're like so yeah do you get it I'm like oh right that makes a lot more sense and I'm just bullshitting completely um and I feel bad about that but (laughs) don't I feel worse about being dumb so I don't say anything (laughs) Uh, amen to that. So the other thing that FTX's decline led to was effective altruism being in the news because Sam Bankman-Fried was such a big effective altruist. Maybe that was his long game. Maybe he was like, I got to get this in the news. <laughs> However, I got to get this in the news. And it did. It spotlighted like claims of like, you know, abuses within the movement. And, and I think that's still kind of unfolding even now. But Sam Bankman-Fried is currently in jail and awaiting trial on charges of wire fraud and conspiracy to commit money laundering. Uh, He has also been accused of witness tampering. So originally he was out on bail. Then he had to go back in because he was witness tampering. So where are we left on effective altruism? I am not totally sure. And maybe that is the most horrifying part of all. And here we go. Here's a hot take as a development girly. Listen. (laughs) People give to charity for selfish reasons all the time, especially really rich people. They do it for tax breaks. They do it for status. They do it as a tit for tat with their other super wealthy friends. And none of that is wrong because giving money to a charitable cause is a lovely thing. But... Is donating to an animal shelter to get on the list of big shelter donors more honorable than donating because of data-driven reasons? I don't know. I really don't. I mean, I like I said at the beginning, working in fundraising will make you a little bit jaded about philanthropy. It's, it seems like a sort of, like, very fundamental, like, Kantian principle of, like, you know... <sighs> do you believe that it's about intent or do you believe it's, it's about the effect like the outcome basically um and I've never been able to answer that I guess I lean more towards intent because I guess I believe that there is some sort of guiding mod podge of the universe that's keeping some kind of moral score Mm -hmm. and I guess because I'm a human being and I want to read narrative and intent into into things but then outcome sure does matter a lot so I don't know Yeah, I really, it's something that I think about a lot um, because I'm still in the business and I don't want to get too spicy because I'm still in the business, but suffice it to say, like... I'll cancel myself right out. I'm already out. Yeah, there you go. You can get really spicy on this episode. But yeah, so it's like, like I said, is anything here wrong, right? No, obviously what Sam Bankman-Fried was doing, defrauding people is wrong. But giving to something because you think it's going to do more good than giving to something else, that's not wrong and that's not bad. But I do think that when we take the humanity out of our humanitarian efforts, it makes me feel yucky. <laughs> like it makes yeah, me, yeah. it makes me step back and, and think about 
kind of how our world is working. And I don't like feeling yucky. It's, I'm horrified. But, and then, and, but you could just like flip flop all day because it's like, what's worse, me feeling yucky or somebody who really needs help not receiving help? Like, should I be thinking about it Mm -hmm. in a more data driven way? Like, am I really doing everything that I can do? And, and, and then to a certain degree, I do think that there is some relevance to, I forget who you said, was talking about how like you know you owe as much and I don't believe (laughs) I don't believe like you owe as much to somebody um halfway across the world um versus a kid who's drowning right in front of you in that moment (laughs) (laughs) in that moment you can't be like oh I gotta run to the bank and do a deposit at you know a global health charity but I will be right back like you can't do that you gotta just save the child in front of you yes and then and then also I wish that I had, and I try really hard to, like, extend my empathy and my giving towards things and situations that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like, how would those situations improve otherwise? Like, I tr- I, I want to, to use some of my privilege to you know, make life better for something that I don't identify with. Like, I have no idea what it's like to live in abject poverty in a different part of the world. Yeah. And and I don't want that to keep me from giving to that, you know, that sort of charity. But I also do naturally want to align my giving with what feels good in the moment. But I don't want to make it about me. See, this is why I don't like this. And this is this is why I'm frustrated uh, with you and with Sam with Sam Buntich, Sam Buntich Freed, Sam Bagman Freed, and all of this. Because it just, like, we're all just, I was about to say we're all just doing our best. There's plenty of us who are not doing our best. Yeah, but, 100%. Yeah, it's, it's really complicated. But I guess, I, I suppose the way to end up finding the middle would just be to keep conversing about about the different polarities I think that probably it will end up being somewhere in the middle yeah um, I think so being the most effective altruism yeah the real effect of altru effect of altruism is the friends we made along the way wow (laughs) that's beautiful Allie I've got a lot of them I got a lot of real taglines today (laughs) But yeah, I, it's complicated stuff and it's not, it's not something that we can just leave being like, those effective altruists, they're stupid. Like, I do think that their worldview is, again, like, I think taking some of the humanity out of... Seems like they're trying to neg (laughs) charity. Yeah. Which, fair, (laughs) I guess. But it's also like, I don't want to act like they're completely inhuman. I bet a lot of people came to that of like, hey, you know, like there's all this money floating around like how do we what do we do and I I do think that you can get just really um overwhelmed by how shitty the world is and be like what the fuck do we do about it how do we just fix it yeah um so that I definitely agree with like when you started talking I was like fuck yeah sure (laughs) go to go go finance go do a finance and then William McCaskill was like, you should save the Picasso. And then we're all like, well, Ooh, yeah. William. That's the Harvey Dent of it all. Do you <laughs> know what I mean? What are you going to do? <sighs> 
Yeah, I don't I don't have like a great sum up for this one except like if you are privileged enough to be able to give charitably think about it. I don't know, like it's it's hard. It Maybe really just is. Just like one for two, like, you know, try to try to find something that aligns with your values to donate to and try to find I guess should all align with your values of like doing good, but like try to find something you identify with to donate to and then try to find something that you couldn't possibly identify with Mm -hmm. you know like i i that sounds right that sounds that sounds fine that's not a bad guideline i think i don't think any of this means stop donating no i think that's true i think it's all i was about to say it's all good and then i remembered talking about mission trips last time (laughs) it's not all good it's not all good (laughs) still take a jaunt through charity navigator but charitynavigator.com that's the takeaway thank you Allie, for wading into this complicated world with me today i was totally inspired by your episode last week to kind of continue down the path of what even is a good deed what even is right well i'm sorry that i inspired that (laughs) because this was no fun for me at all what, uh, what's, the reason I started, the, the reason we started this podcast was that so we could take a situation and go, you know what, that's actually stupid. And we know what the right situation is. And I can't do that with this topic. And so... We were fresh young 24-year-olds <laughs> then, Allie. I was just wanted to be like, you know, jelly beans, they're actually poison. Whoa. I'm horrified. Ding. <laughs> Brought to you by Audible. That was the dream. Yep. This is not the dream. We'll get back to it. But it is fascinating. It's genuinely very fascinating. So thank you for, thank you for um, unveiling it. My Um, pleasure. And again, I would say if you're interested in this, definitely check out uh, Abigail's video on Philosophy Tube about it. So good. I mean, there's been a lot written about it since the Sam Bankman Freed thing went down. So, you know, it's, it's a really interesting point of view, but it's just one that like, makes me feel gross. And so that's why I brought it to this forum. I really want to hear other people. Like, this is something that I feel like I would just be so interested to hear how other people respond definitely to to the idea of it. So definitely write in. Um, I'm horrifiedpodcast.gmail.com. Tell us what you think. Tell us if you have any other perspectives. And if you're a development girly and you're also feeling jaded about the world of philanthropy, write into that as well. You guys can start, like, a little support group. Maybe that's, like, a spinoff podcast is just being, like, oh, my God, I had to. <laughs> yeah. And- it could be called Fundy Girls, which, again, people, you could start <laughs> every episode. Like, we are not evangelical <laughs> Christians. It's a really different thing. Um, Yeah. <laughs> but thank you, Allie. Thank you guys for joining us today. And go- hopefully go- next week, Allie, you have something a little lighter. I actually, I, we're going to record it really soon and I don't remember what it is. (laughs) That's how, that's why you got to tune in next week. But until then, we hope you stay horrified. Stay horrified. Stay horrified.